Welcome to the new Docs in a Pod presented by WellMed. Over the next half hour, Docs in a Pod will educate you about the health and wellness of adults everywhere. Co-hosts Dr. Audrey Baria and veteran broadcaster and attorney Ron Aaron will share information to improve your health and well-being. And now here are Ron Aaron and Dr. Audrey Baria. Well, thank you so much for joining us today on the award-winning Docs in a Pod. I'm Ron Aaron, delighted to be with you, and we talk every week about a variety of medical issues that affect people of almost every age, focusing on those who are age 65 and over, but not limited to them. And this award-winning program is available on podcast as well. Wherever you get your podcasts, you can find Docs in a Pod. So if you're hearing us on the radio, you can follow up with a podcast, or if you don't have us on your local radio station, you can find us, as you already have, if you're listening to us, on a podcast. Our co-host, Dr. Audrey Baria, is with us. Dr. Baria is Medical Director for WellMed Medical Management. She's been part of the WellMed family for nearly six years, actually closer to seven now, and is currently a provider at the WellMed at Ninth Avenue North Clinic in St. Petersburg, Florida. Dr. Baria got her degree from Ross University School of Medicine in Portsmouth, Dominica, where she earned that medical degree completed her residency in an OBGYN fellowship at St. Mary Hospital in Hoboken, New Jersey, and she is board certified in family medicine. Dr. Baria loves to travel, loves hanging out with her family, and uh, as she lives in St. Petersburg, she enjoys going to cooler places from time to time, but not always. So, Audrey, it's great to see you again. Same here, Ron. And you recently uh, got back from a trip to Morocco, Singapore is next on your list. How do you pick where you're going? Well, this Singapore trip was actually for my husband because his birthday's in September and he's a huge Formula One fan. So that happens to coincide with his birthday. So we're going for Formula One. And there's a Formula One race in Singapore. Yes. He's not a driver, right? He wishes he was. (laughs) Yeah, I love that. Well, we're going to talk about an issue that I know many of your patients struggle with, and that's COPD. We'll talk about symptoms, diagnosis, and treatment. Dr. Jeffrey Benjamin is joining us. He's with WellMed at Forney up near Dallas, Texas. Earned his medical degree from the American University of Antigua College of Medicine located in Coolidge, Antigua. Completed his residency at Baton Rouge General Family Medicine Residency, and Dr. Benjamin is board certified in family medicine. In his free time, he too enjoys traveling, and exploring new cultures and cuisines. So, Dr. Benjamin, great to have you on Docs in a Pod. Uh, Dr. Barrio recently visited Morocco. Where have you been re- recently? So, um, first of all, thanks for having me. It's my first time doing this, so I'm pretty excited about it. Um, Thank you. Um, so, actually, recently, about, I would say, three to four weeks ago, my wife, me and my wife, we just came back from uh, vacation. We actually went to, went to a few places. Uh, it was a three-week-long trip. We went to Maldives. Dubai, India, and then Rome. Wow. What was your favorite? It, it would probably be a tie between Maldives and Dubai, just because, I mean, they're both amazing, but they're completely opposite as far as, you know, the type of vacation. Dubai is a little more adventure-related, um, and Maldives is just pure relaxation. But I highly recommend everyone, if you get a chance to go, it's definitely worth it. That's pretty Maldives cool. Maldives is on our bucket list for sure. And <laughs> Dubai, uh, we got to spend eight hours on a layover in Dubai. And that was definitely a place we would go back to. 
Nice. It's funny you say it because uh, Singapore is on our list too. So I'll tell you about it when I get back. <laughs> well, I'm lucky to make it to Kerrville. We don't travel a whole lot, but uh, I'm delighted to have you on and, and enjoy through your travelers, both you and, and Audrey. Uh, so, Dr. Benjamin, uh, give us the 411 on COPD. We hear it talked about in television and radio ads and in print all the time, but what is it? So COPD, it's actually, it's not a specific disease. It's actually more of an umbrella term that we use. And um, it's characterized by, you know, shortness of breath, uh, you know, increased coughing and sputum production. And what sticks it apart from, you know, just a regular normal cough is that it's chronic, it's progressive, um, and it tends to worsen if not treated properly. Um, and it's also associated with chronic inflammation. So um, that it's, it's more of an umbrella term than it is an actual disease. And under that umbrella, we have, you know, chronic bronchitis. And uh, what people also hear a lot about is also emphysema, you know, and it actually, it's uh, the prevalence of it is actually getting as the years go by. Um, it's you know, over the age of 40, we have approximately 10% of the population who has been diagnosed with it. That's a big number. It is. So. How, what's the correlation with smoking? Because I know, although fewer people smoke, some still do. Oh, yeah. So smoking is actually the biggest risk factor for COPD. It's number one, and not just smoking itself, but also exposure to he secondhand smoke. Um, you know, you know, when you go to the doctor, um, they ask you about your smoking history. Well, this is the reason why, because it puts you, you know, at a higher risk of it. Not just smoking, but also, you know, we always we also ask about work history, you know, what people do for work. You know, I'm family medicine and, you know, we do get to like to get to know our patients on a holistic level as well. But there's a reason why we ask those certain, you know, questions. So if a patient has been working in construction or mining or roofing, you know, they're exposed to silica, asbestos, and that can also lead to, you know, COPD as well. You know, a long time ago, secondhand smoke was not related to or was thought not to be related to COPD. And now with all of the research that has come about and the studies that have been done, secondhand smoke is definitely a contributor to COPD definitely. in patients. And if you quit smoking years ago, are you still at greater risk for COPD? Asking for a friend. So, um, one statistic actually showed that if you are a chronic smoker and you have stopped smoking for approximately five years, that then your uh, risk for further progression actually starts decreasing. So that's why we always say it's best to start now, you know, if you are a chronic smoker. And um, reality is that you don't expect anyone to, you know, go cold turkey, even though there are some people who do do that, you know, but you know, slow and steady wins the race. But overall, yes, um, about five years of smoking cessation does lead to a decrease of progression of the symptoms. I actually went cold turkey. I used to smoke three packs of cigarettes a day. You had to get up early and stay up late to get them all in. And I quit in 1977 when my son was born, knowing that if I smoked, he'd smoke, he, no matter what I told him about smoking. So that's a long time ago, reducing my risk, and I'm glad to hear from you of COPD. Yeah, and there's a, there's a lot of people who also, just like you, um, I've had people who smoke two packs a day, 
and um you know they just don't want to affect anyone else in their family or they find someone else has like some you know comorbid condition because of smoking and they go cold turkey and if that works that's great you know so well the way i did it i had bought a book at the time how to quit smoking and in it was a really simple mental trick which was begin to say whenever you reach for a cigarette i choose not to smoke this one and slowly but surely i quit nice that's actually very effective one of the home uh uh remedies that i tell my patients to um if all else fails is every two weeks just drop one cigarette um at that at that point your body's not going to notice that abrupt of a change you know because if people start going cold turkey you might get the jitters might get irritable one cigarette every two weeks and then over the course of the year you know that's about 26 cigarettes so wow stay with me just a minute for folks who may have just joined us I want to let you know you're listening to Docs in a Pod. I'm Ron Aaron, along with our co-host, Dr. Audrey Bari, and we're talking on our Docs in a Pod hotline from up at the Wellman at Forney Clinic near Dallas with Dr. Jeffrey Benjamin, talking about COPD. And for you, Dr. Benjamin, you, you mentioned that it's really a, a complex of a variety of uh, factors that lead to the diagnosis of COPD. How do you diagnose it, and then how do you treat it? All right. So um, like I said, COPD is more of an umbrella term. And under that, we have something called uh, chronic bronchitis. And on the other end, we have emphysema. So they both contribute and are part of the COPD umbrella. Um, so chronic bronchitis is defined as uh, a chronic productive cough, like you're coughing up something for uh, at least three months of the year. And it has to occur for approximately two years. OK, um, over a two year period, you have to be coughing for three months each year. And that's actually made on a clinical diagnosis. Um, and that's when you see a little more of with smokers in general. The other side of it is also emphysema. And that is more of a structural change in your lungs that we see. Um, and that's mostly diagnosed on like imaging, like CT scans or x-rays. Now we can suspect it, but the confirmation will always be like, you know, if we can see it on imaging. Um, and that's basically where the little sacs at the end of your lungs that actually exchange oxygen, their little grape light, it looks like a cluster of grapes. Those actually start, you know, um, not their walls start getting a little more loose and they start stop forming this little cluster, but more like a big balloon. So they're not exchanging gas properly. And when that happens, you can't breathe. No, you can't, you can't breathe. And more importantly, you're, you're not able to, you know, get um, get oxygen into your bloodstream and that's when it becomes dangerous. So um, a lot of people, you know, they, they wonder why smoking contributes to it. Every time you smoke and you inhale that, you're, you're like, you, like I said earlier, COPD is more of a chronic inflammation. You're introducing this toxic air and now your body's going to react to it. So your body creates all these inflammatory markers, inflammatory enzymes, and to to address that smoke that's coming in. And when you do that over years, over decades, uh, it basically is gonna irritate that lung lining and then all that inflammation is gonna attack itself in the tubes of the lungs and also in the small little grape sacs and the alveoli. And that's what leads to you know improper gas exchange. And that's very important for us, for our bodies. you know. And medications that can impact COPD. Uh, you know, on the TV ads, uh, uh, grandpa's out walking with his grandson and he can only walk three steps until he has to sit down and then he uses some inhaler and boom next day he's out running a marathon 
Yeah, so those are those that, um the one we see most common. Everyone has that rescue inhaler, and that's called a buterol. So people know uh, know it as uh, Ventolin or Proair. It's the most common ones that I hear about uh, that my patients know about. Um, so that's a very short acting, and that's called a, um, a beta agonist. And what that does is stimulates receptors in your lungs that actually open up that airway. So that airway is surrounded by muscle, and it uh, actually allows that muscle to relax a little bit, and it kind of opens it up. And it's very short acting. It's very effective. And that's what you see, you know, it's even in asthma attacks, when people take a couple puffs of that inhaler, and it works. But is that a long-term treatment? Is it a cure? It is not a cure. Unfortunately, COPD uh, is not curable. It is treatable, though. And when, under the proper regimen, um, of, you know, that's including lifestyle modifications, medications, also like a pulmonary rehab where you can learn certain breathing techniques. We can definitely decrease the progression of it. Um, but uh, we do have treatment. It is not curable. Stay with us. We're going to come right back to you. You're listening to Docs in a Pod. I'm Ron Aaron, along with our co-host, Dr. Audrey Barria. And on our Docs in a Pod hotline, Dr. Jeffrey Benjamin is with us. He's with WellMed at Forney. This is the award-winning Docs in a Pod. Hi, it's Drew Pearson for my friends at WellMed. As a Hall of Famer, I love it when a quarterback and receiver have a great connection. You can be part of a great connection too. Connecting WellMed's high-quality healthcare with the highest-rated Medicare Advantage plan helps you focus on staying healthy. Call 210-436-6005 or visit wellmedhealthcare.com slash connect. Drew Pearson is a paid spokesperson. Other plans are accepted. For full enrollment details, visit medicare.gov. We are so pleased you're sticking with us right here on Docs in a Pod. We come to you every week with the discussion of a variety of medical and health-related issues. The award-winning Docs in a Pod features some of the most advanced training technicians and physicians from here and across the country, and we're so pleased you're with us. I'm Ron Aaron, along with our co-host, Dr. Audrey Barria, and we're talking on the Docs in a Pod hotline with Dr. Jeffrey Benjamin. He's at WellMed at Forney. So, Audrey... Patient comes in, you have already diagnosed them with COPD, and they say, you know, it's not getting any better. When do you decide, or do you, uh, to send them to a specialist like a pulmonologist, someone who specializes in lungs? So one of the things that I use as my criteria is how many hospitalizations have they had? Have they ever been, when they were hospitalized, did they have to get intubated, meaning have a uh, tube put down their throat to help them with their breathing? Because these are all indicators of how severe their disease state is. So if they've had multiple hospitalizations, if they've had to be intubated more than once, even once, I mean, I have a low threshold for that. I had a grandfather who died from emphysema, so my threshold is very oh, wow. low. Um, and, you know, I've watched him deteriorate over a span of several years and just watching him even take the two steps and then have to stop to catch his breath was very painful to watch. So I would definitely refer to a pulmonologist at that point with the hospital. And Dr. Benjamin, in your case? 
I, I agree. Um, uh, it also depends on hospitalizations. Now, if something is getting like kind of uh, out of control, like it's one thing if you're stable, but you have someone who's like in the hospital like uh, once or twice a year, especially if they're intubated, because that's uh, that's critical and you need ICU yeah. care. Then it, you know, you have to stop and say, you know, what is what is going on? What are we not doing right? Or are we, you know, do we have to step up our game? And then at that point, yes, I will definitely, you know, um, uh, refer back to a, uh, to a pulmonologist. Even before then, I, te I tend to also kind of even get them an appointment just to establish care, you know, just so we don't, you know, delay that because it's always kind of hard and, you know, to get into specialists. So I try to do that a little more earlier so we don't, you know, wait till the last minute. And in addition to, you know, um, a pulmonologist, I also do, you know, recommend them for like a pulmonary rehab where they can learn different breathing techniques to cope with that. Now, they may not, you know, delay progression um, or it may not, you know, provide any treatment, but it will improve quality of life if done correctly. And how far have we come with medications that can successfully treat COPD? We have come uh, a good ways. I mean, there's always more uh, that are coming along the way. Uh, we we start off with, you know, our short acting ones that you, you know, we kind of see on TV, like you said, you know, um, where you take a puff and you're doing fine. Then we have our long acting, you know, inhalers and they all relatively work the same where they kind of relax the, uh, you know, the airways and allow, you know, more air to uh, come in and out. So we also have, you know, our inhaled corticosteroids, which like I said, COPD is a chronic state of inflammation. So steroids decrease inflammation. So we have come a ways. Um, however, you know, even you have some of some patients who are on, you know, even the, the strongest medications, the best you can get. And, you know, they're unfortunately, they're still struggling to breathe. You know, they're also on oxygen therapy and Unfortunately, at some uh, some of them, we do have to consider palliative care. I worked with a guy several years ago on the radio, also a, a talk show host, who had emphysema, who was on oxygen, uh, and it was so painful uh, sometimes to watch him try to breathe. Yeah, yeah, it, it is painful. And not only that, it's also like a, a hassle to deal with, you know, as far as getting around, you start, you don't realize how much it'll affect your day to day as far as carrying an oxygen tank around, mm -hmm. it, um, you know, in your house, trying to go grocery shopping with it. And then on top of that, it's an oxygen tank. So it is, it is a, it is a hazard and a huge risk to have it as well. It's flammable. Yeah, exactly. So it's it's not safe to have it. We don't want it for anyone. You know, we don't wish to get uh, get that far, but unfortunately, we do have patients who need it. So I had instances when I used to round in the hospitals where they would the patient would be admitted for a COPD exacerbation, and they have they're hooked up to the oxygen. They would take off the tubing and go into the bathroom to smoke their cigarette. And I was like, oh, well, that's. Yeah, this was also true of the guy I mentioned who shall remain nameless, no longer with us. Uh, but he would disconnect, take the little thing out of his nose and light up. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's not safe. And it's funny you say that, because when I was, you know, when I was in training, we had similar situations, too, with people who, you know, the chronic smokers, you know, they're in the hospital and yep. they go through the smoke and it's not only is that a danger to themselves but you know when you have oxygen there you you're at risk of literally causing an explosion you know yes. yeah they don't wiping just wiping out the themselves. whole floor right <laughs> yeah as you look at uh the numbers of people you're seeing with copd uh is this 
and you touched on this, so I want to come back to it. This predominantly a disease, a complex of conditions of older people, or can young people have COPD? So uh, we see more in individuals over the age of 40. Now, it's I'm glad you mentioned that. There is actually a genetic component to this as well. So usually if someone comes up with that, you know, that chronic cough, you know, that uh, lamest terms, the smoker's cough for so many years, you know, we do, you know, tests on them to see if uh, what their lung capacity is. And, you know, with along with a medical history and a physical exam, we can, you know, tell them, uh, if they have COPD or not. Now, if a younger person comes in and it does, and you know, with similar symptoms, um, we do want to consider something called the alpha one uh, antitrypsin deficiency. So this is actually a genetic um, uh, a genetic disorder. And in my years of practice so far, I've seen two people with it. So that basically is where your liver is not creating an enzyme that. Uh, st- um, stops the breakdown of the protein that allows the lung to uh, expand and collapse. So because um, you, you don't stop the breakdown, you have continuous breakdown of it. And that also leads to emphysema as well. And it's, and that has nothing to do with smoking. That is purely a, um, you know, a genetic uh, disorder. And we, we are, anytime you see a younger person, you know, kind of with the similar symptoms that always clicks in your head and you get appropriate blood work for that. And is there a possibility of a a gene fix for that? So there is not a gene fix. What you can actually do is get um, uh, blood um, that's purified from a donor and then actually infuse uh, the the appropriate protein for that. Again, unfortunately, it is not curable, but it is treatable. What What about the effect? Go ahead, Audrey. Sorry. What are some of the things that you've recommended to uh, patients, you had mentioned one, Dr. Benjamin, about um, having a chronic smoker just give up one cigarette every two weeks as an option. But what else have you recommended to patients to stop smoking? I'm glad you mentioned that. So I actually had one patient and he smoked uh, about two, two and a half to three uh, packs for, I want to say, 20 plus years. I literally sat in the room with him and calculated how much that would have cost him over the years. And I told him straight up, you could have bought a house with this much money. And I wasn't, I wasn't wrong either. It was in the hundreds of thousands of how much he smoked. And that really clicked with him. And, and because he wasn't in a good financial state at the time either. And I always, I always put that into perspective too, because, you know, smoking does take number one time out of your day. And also there is a financial burden with that when, you know, when someone's already, you know, financially restricted, uh, definitely money can go to, you know, better resources rather than a pack of cigarettes. So when I quit smoking, when I quit smoking, cigarettes were about 50 cents a pack. Now I, I can't believe the cost. You're talking five, six dollars. Uh, and that for- also depends on where you live, because in New York City, I think it's close to ten dollars a pack now. And I used to use that as the same way that Dr. Benjamin did. I would calculate out. I was like, okay, you smoke a pack a day, seven days a week. That's seventy dollars that you're spending in a week, and that's just for your cigarettes. Wow. Um, one of the other things that I've recommended that I've had success with, if the patient's willing to do it, is hypnosis. Actually, um, just had a patient that I saw yesterday that came back and was so ecstatic because she had tried quitting on her own 
she had gone to acupuncture actually that worked for a little while and then something happened she fell off the wagon started smoking again um and i had sent her i said well you know you've tried acupuncture why don't you try hypnosis maybe that may work for you because she tried the patches tried the gum nothing had worked and she came back to me and she's like three weeks i haven't smoked a cigarette and she was very very ecstatic so what had worked for her hypnosis wow mm. and there are specialists who do that yes yeah, there's clinical uh, hypnotists that actually do that. I've actually heard that works really good too. Yeah. Uh, the only drawback, the only drawback to that is the patient's going to have to want to do it, and they're going right. to want to smoke because hypnosis in general. Um, I actually studied in uh, college. I was a, um, I got a bachelor's in psychology, and uh, one of the professors was also a clinical hypnotist, and I learned that unless the patient actually completely trusts you and they want to do it, they will not be able to go under. So even wow. if there's any, like you know any anything holding them back, they won't be able to go under. So, but I've heard great results with um, um, hip, uh, hypnosis. So ask your PCP if hypnosis might work, and perhaps you can get a referral. And uh, uh, for those who are still smoking, I think the answer is, no matter what your age, Doctor Benjamin, stop. Right. That's correct. It's never too late to stop. So. We are flat out of time, so unfortunately, we have to stop the interview. I really appreciate you coming on. Dr. Jeffrey Benjamin with the Wellman at Forney up near Dallas, Texas Clinic. For Dr. Audrey Barria, our co-host, I'm Ron Aaron. We'll talk with you again soon right here on Docs in a Pod. Executive producers for Docs in a Pod are Dan Calderon and Leah Madrano. Our producer is Natalie Ibarra. An associate producer is Isaac Wilker. Thank you for listening to Docs in a Pod, presented by WellMed. We welcome your emails with suggestions and comments on this program at radio at wellmed.net. And be sure to tune in next week for another edition of Docs in a Pod with Dr. Audrey Barria and Ron Aaron.